Good morning. Open your Bibles with me, if you will, to Romans chapter 3. Looking at verses 27 through 31. Actually, it would probably be more like 27 through 28. Um, sorry, staff. I told my staff earlier this week, yeah, I'm going to get us out of chapter 3 this week. And it didn't happen, I don't think. Uh, unless y'all wanted to be here a little while longer, and then I can go ahead and do that. But, uh, but Paul is just pouring out riches in terms of the gospel. And we should be reminded of the truths that he is giving to us. Um, I have called this sermon Settled Soteriology. Settled Soteriology. Okay, some of y'all are looking at me like, spell that. S-O-T-E-R-I-O-L-O-G-Y. Soteriology. I got it all in there, didn't I? Okay. And you're going, well, what is that? Okay, well, that's the study of salvation. It's the study of being saved. And so, but I want to say that because that's what Paul's doing. He's laying out settled doctrine. He's laying out settled things. One that all of us are sinners that we can't even measure the depth of sin. He did that through the first couple of chapters into chapter 3. It's settled. I mean, there's nothing but sinners in this world. And then he has settled something else here in the verses that we've just looked at recently. Something's been settled in verses 21 through 26. And that has carried over into verses 27 through 31, which will be illustrated in chapter 4 in the life of Abraham. This is what's settled. Salvation is through Jesus Christ alone, through faith alone. He has settled that. I, I, I take the word settled because in verse 28 he says, For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. We hold. Uh, the, it's speaking of something that is settled, something that is conclusive. There's something that he's come to a conclusion of, that we as believers, we believe this. We, the apostles, we believe this, that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. And so that's something that we want to uh, investigate a little further. Um, it's speaking of Christ, Christ alone. And we need to remember always. We need to remember who he is and what he has done. He is the one and only mediator between God and man. There's 
no other that meets the qualifications of who he is and who can do what he has done. He settled, this is how salvation comes into the life of people. This is how salvation is accomplished through Christ. But then comes another question. How will God connect, connect us to this great salvation? How will he connect us to this great salvation that he has provided, that he has sent forward? How will he connect us to it? How are we connected to this great salvation? How does one come into a right relationship with God? I want to investigate some of these things through a couple of points. First of all, this one. Christ died for God. It sounds a little weird, doesn't it? Christ died for God. We're going to jump back up into verses 25 through 26 to think about that. Next, there is no boasting, no bragging possible on our part when it comes to salvation. There's no boasting possible. Thirdly, is that justification, salvation, redemption all come by faith alone. No other way. No other way is anyone saved except through faith in Jesus Christ. So first, let's look what it says. Uh, Paul says in verse 27, then what becomes of our boasting? The then there causes us to point back up a little bit uh, and to understand that he is, one of the things that he has communicated very clearly is that Christ died for God. Look, if you will, at verse 24. It says there in verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. It kind of sounds a little bit strange to us that Christ died for God. But Christ being put forward as a propitiation is for God first. Because Christ's death satisfied the wrath of God. It was for Christ first. Christ upholds the glory of God by his work on the cross. Before you and I were even in existence, God planned to save you by means of his Son by means of his son being put forward, by means of his son coming in, in uh, incarnated form, coming into this world in the flesh and suffering on the cross. It's by his blood that God justifies, that God declares us 
righteous. It's by Christ's sacrifice that God redeems, that he rescues, that he paid the price to set us free from the bondage of sin. It's by Christ's blood that God's wrath is satisfied. It had to be satisfied. Through all this, it's God who is glorified in the death of his son. His glory in the work of Christ on the cross is upheld against those who accuse him of being unjust. Which is why Paul writes that he may be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Why would they accuse God of being unjust? Earlier we see that he, in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Verse 26, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier. In other words, those who sinned prior they were looking forward to the cross. He was just in passing over that and letting this come to bear on Jesus. Jesus is upholding the glory of God. Isn't it glorious that God has saved us? He didn't have to. I mean, any of y'all feel like you deserve to be saved? No? Okay. I just wanted to see a couple of heads go, no. None of us. I mean, we're rotten to the core. I am. And I saw some wives bump their husbands like, hey, he's talking to you. None of us deserve salvation. God didn't have to save anyone. And what has he done? In Christ, he has exalted the glory of the Father. And the Father has redeemed the likes of you and me who have believed on his Son, Jesus Christ. It's important for us to remember that there is no other means to the Father except the Son. And if we do not come before the Father, we cannot be saved. It's Jesus who brings us there. It's Jesus who is our hope and our peace. In 1 John chapter 2, turn with me there. We see something Paul has already referred to when he says that he put Christ forward as a propitiation by his blood. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. 
My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Let's just think about that for a minute, okay? We have an advocate who is with the Father. Uh, an advocate. Uh, the word is parakletos. Uh, you've heard it translated another way, helper. It's most often used to identify the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when the helper comes... He was speaking of the Spirit of God when he comes. But here it's being applied to Jesus as an advocate, as one before another. This advocate is our helper, if you will. It says there that if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father. We have a helper with the Father. What significance is there that if anyone sins, we have an advocate? You shouldn't sin. You're a believer. Don't pursue that. Don't let that be part of your life. But if you do sin, the advocate is not going to change his position. He's still there before the Father, he's still helping, he's still pleading. He's still the reason that you are redeemed. So we have an advocate with the Father. He's together with him. Jesus Christ, the righteous. <laughs> Remember, it's his righteousness that has been attributed to our account. Verse 2. What this speaks to, verse 2, is it speaks to what qualifies him to be that advocate. What qualifies him for this? And it says, verse 2, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. He is the propitiation for our sins. Toward whom? Toward the Father. He is the substitute. He bore our sins. He took on himself the wrath of God. And there he is, highly exalted at the right hand of the Father. As we look at this, we know there's a, uh, this understanding that it is Christ who died for the Father. That's uh, for, for God and in doing this, he propitiated and took on our sin and became before the Father our advocate, our help. Christ as propitiation is toward us also. His sacrifice applied to us brings us into relationship with the Father, but only through faith. Romans 3, 25, it says that his blood, that 
Christ, that his work, this propitiation, is to be received by faith. In verse 26, it says, so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus, who believes him and him only. That that brings us to this place in verse 27 where it says, Then what becomes of our boasting? And then he answers, it is excluded. Paul's answering the question of an unknown collaborator, an unknown accuser. I think this unknown accuser is representing the point of view of a Jew. Uh, And I think he's bringing in his argument from chapter 2, verse 17, where it says, But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent, because you are instructed from the law, And if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind, a light to those who are in darkness. I'll stop there. He's kind of going through a list of things that Jews would boast about. Things that they would say, well, I'm a Jew. And you're not a Jew. And one thing Paul has done is he has over and over again said, you know, Jew and Gentile. This is for both Jew and Gentile. He's saying it again here. That salvation is both for the Jews and Gentiles. But here he starts this. Then what becomes of our boasting? And this applies to either Jew or Gentile. But he's specifically dealing with the Jews on this question. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, look with me there. It's clear why boasting is not possible. Boasting, by the way, I, I remember years ago, my brother, uh, he attended a church after he moved to Lindale. And um, one of the things he said to me, he said, Man, we went to this church, and, and he kept using this word. And he said, Boasting. He kept talking about boasting. He kept saying boasting. He said, Nobody says boasting anymore. I said, well, yeah, but the Word of God says boasting. So, he says, don't be bragging on what you haven't done. He said, well, that makes more sense. Okay. Paul's letting them know all these things that you think you can brag about are nothing, they do you no good whatsoever. Why not? I mean, aren't these great things? Man, we could boast about all kinds of things. You know? Well, you know what? I like to sing. And I I sing in the choir. I sing in the praise team or something like that. Yeah, that won't get you anywhere. We boast about all kinds of things that we think bring merit We're capable of doing that. Y'all realize that, right? We're capable of taking the smallest, seemingly good thing, and actually, it is a good thing. 
and making it very ultimate in our measure of our own faith in Christ. We'll do that with anything. We have to guard our hearts from that. Paul's saying you can't bring anything with you to the cross. Accept your sin and your faith. That's it. First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-eight. He says, God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Because of him, it says, you are in Christ. Did y'all read that? I mean, he chose from the lowly things. And you brought nothing to the table. And instead of you having anything to boast about, it's because of him you are in Christ. There's nothing that we discovered on our own about him. Nothing. You say, well, you know what? I, I, I read the Bible, you know, all these years and everything, and I finally came to this understanding. If you came to any understanding regarding the gospel in reading the Bible, you did not come to that understanding on your own knowledge, on your own intelligence, on your own, in your own capability. God opened your eyes, opened your ears, opened your heart, opened your mind to receive what He intended to give you before the foundation of the earth. You didn't do it. You got nothing to boast about. Well, my mom and dad, don't be talking about my mom and dad, Brother Rick. Okay. But they taught me these things from a very young age. And so really, you know, I, I, I grew up in this Christian home. And because I grew up in this Christian home, you know, I got all these things. And so, you know, I, I really have to brag on my mom and dad. Don't do that. It wasn't them. Now, don't get me wrong, moms and dads. Don't be thinking, go home and say, hey, did he tell us not to be teaching our children the Word of God? No, I didn't. You know I didn't. But I did say this. Your children will not be saved because 
of what you have done. Your children will be saved because of what Christ has done. And that's it. Don't y'all just love what that says? And because of him, you are in Christ. Not merely that you didn't discover him, but that he willfully, with great intention, foreknowledge, chose you. I just can't believe it, but I do. Because of him. Because he loved you. Because he died for you. Because he. Because he. It's never anything else because I. It's never that. If it's that, you're without hope. Paul's laying out for us this understanding. What becomes of our boasting? It's excluded. By what kind of law, he says. So that word kind is speaking of the nature of something. What's the nature of the law that excludes our boasting? I mean, we've been given this stuff by God. What's going to take that away? How's that going to be excluded? So the question continues. By a law of the works. Definite article is not showing in the English translation, but it's there. Which means very much that it's pointing to the Jewish understanding of the works or the law. And doing these things. By law of works. No. Not by that law. The nature of the law that excludes boasting. Is not. In its nature works. It's instead in its nature of faith. Of believing God. It's really what it comes down to, of believing God, believing the promises of God, believing Him. And then in verse 28, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Why is Paul so enamored with boasting? You know, he says it over and over again all through his letters, uh, so that we won't boast. Ephesians chapter 2. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works. So no one may boast. Why is Paul so concerned with these things? Because our boasting is the outward form of pride. 
and our boasting in coming to Christ in our own way and whatever measure we could add to it would be robbing God of glory which Christ died to exalt and lift up. Boasting is this outward form of pride. And instead, what he wants us to do is to realize that God saved us apart from any contribution of our own. Nothing. We bring nothing. Here at the end, I want us to see this conclusive doctrine, justification by faith alone. Look what it says there in verse 28. For we hold this conclusive thing, uh, this settled thing. We hold. We're not going anywhere. It's settled. It's done. You know how something needs to settle down a little bit when you build it? It needs to get to a place where it's not going anywhere. We've been in process of building a new driveway because our other one was a ditch. And so we've been building this thing, and dirt has been moved to the center and uh, got ditches on the sides. No dirt, it just kept falling off, falling off, and falling off, so we brought in some other stuff. Red dirt. Laid that on top of it. And let me tell you something. Within just a couple of hours of it sitting out there in the sun and rolling over it, it was packed. It's still settling, I guess you would say. But I am, have great confidence that thing's not going anywhere. If you saw the hill I lived on, you'd think that thing's not staying up there. No, I think it will. It's settled. Well, I want you to know, he's saying we're settled with this. No one is justified by faith. Or that one, sorry, one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Anyone who is justified is justified by faith apart from any works of the law. Martin Luther, in his translation of Romans, translated this. I'm going to say he translated it. He interpreted this because the word does not exist in the Greek translation. He interpreted it this way. For we hold that one is justified by faith alone apart from works of the law. Sola fide. Faith alone. I, I want us to remember these things. This doesn't mean that works or the law has no value in the Christian life. They do. We'll talk more about that next week. Both works 
and the law have value in the Christian life, but they have absolutely no value in redeeming you. None whatsoever. No value in redeeming you, but great value in living out the life that Christ paid for, that He set you free, redeemed you. The conclusion is simply this. We must trust Jesus Christ alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation that He brings. We must trust Jesus Christ alone, our advocate, to bring us into the family of God. And He does so. And he does so when you call upon him by faith alone. He will save you. He's faithful to do that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great love. We thank you, God, for the way in which you redeem us apart from anything that we can contribute. We can't contribute anything. Father, that helps us to see your love and your mercy and your goodness. It helps us, God, to exalt and uplift you in our hearts and minds and lives. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone that does not know you, if there's anyone that is relying upon anything except for faith in Christ alone, for their salvation, I pray, God, that you would open their hearts and their minds and their ears to hear and their mouths to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.